Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Anger is a strong emotion. It can feel overwhelming, uncontrollable. It can feel righteous and later perhaps shameful, particularly if you let it rip on your children. Maggie Dent is a parenting educator, author and host of the Parental as Anything podcast. Hi, Maggie. How are you? I'm really good, Siobhan. I love this topic and I know you've talked about it on your website, but I love it because we often talk about anger in our children and how we manage that. But I think anger in parents is a big problem for a lot of people, mainly because it's an emotion that, like I said, can feel really big and really uncontrollable. Is it uncontrollable? I know it's big, (laughs) but is it uncontrollable? Okay, so let's just put it out there that anger is a very valid human emotion to start with. You know, I keep thinking people talk about good emotions and bad emotions, and they're all equally valid. Um, I am going to say that underneath anger... See, anger is a sort of symptomatic emotion. There's something underneath that. And so when we dive underneath it, and and this is really why I'm so passionate about supporting today's parents, because um, the landscape changed so much. Um, Not only are you expected to do so much more and be so much more, like, perfect, you're supposed to work full time and cook like master chef and goodness (laughs) only knows what, you know, goddess in the bedroom. There's just this massive expectation. And then there's so much information on parenting that what's happened is parents now have unrealistic expectations of what the role of parents is actually. So there are times that every parent, and I'm going to say every parent, including myself, gets really angry and frustrated because it is some days mind-numbingly incredibly difficult. Let's just be real. We cannot control human behavior. And when they're our precious children, you know, we kind of have this... You know, I think the fantasy has been fed, I think, originally by parenting magazines with perfect mothers on them, you know, with no spew on their shirt and no bags (laughs) under their eyes and their hair's all mag. So we all thought, oh, great, I'll have one of those. So what we know is that the things that drive us to be less reasonable and less balanced and have less emotional intelligence is stress. So when you put all those things on top of it and also an expectation that that developmental um, behaviour of the tantrum in the shopping centre somehow means I'm a bad parent and they're a bad child, of course that's going to make you feel worse. So again, we tell ourselves these internal stories that are not true that then add to our own sense of inadequacy. And then when we're feeling inadequate, we want to take it out on someone because it's a natural thing for us to want to project that in a form which is often an anger emotion. So having said all that, um, I just led us to know that Um, every single parent is listening to this will have moments when their anger comes out that even frightens them. So that's not a sign, again, that you're a, a lousy person. It's a sign that your nervous system is now too overloaded. And there's lots of things that overload a nervous system. And I've been banging on forever about silence, stillness and calmness way before it was trendy. (laughs) (laughs) Way before it was a, a thing. So what we've become is human doings, not human beings. So when our expectations of ourself and our children are unrealistic and we cannot be met, then of course it's going to make us feel frustrated. So every now and then I keep saying to parents, lower the bar. Lower the bar on how soon your son needs to be toilet trained. Lower the bar on how tidy your house needs to be some days. Lower the bar on thinking you can get in front as a, as a parent. It's, you would probably heard me say this before. You never get in front until they leave home because they're already wearing the next 
load of washing. Your son's already left a skitty on his job. You know, like, let's be real. And there are days the beating up of parents is adding to their anger. And, mm. and you know, I've had mummies say they lay awake at night sometimes just going over every decision and revisiting it. So what women do is they constantly compare despair themselves, not just with others. Yeah, so what dads tend to do, they can have a moment when they don't feel good about something and it can feel lousy. They just move on. Mm. You know, that that's kind of why we're probably the mothers. We don't tend to lose them as easily in the olden days. So can you see again? <laughs> so when our expectations for ourselves are unrealistic, so and on the things that overload nervous systems, let's look at sleep. You know, I'm a grumpy, grumpy person when I don't get my sleep. I don't know how I survived all those years. I do actually because I basically um, I just co-slept wherever, spare bedroom, anything for sleep. I just prioritise sleep. I mean, yep. If they were on the floor and wanting to be in a desert to sleep, I'd sleep down on the floor with them, whatever <laughs> meant. So that's the priority. If you want to get mm. anger out of your life, it's some really simple things. Is prioritise do anything you can to improve people's sleep in your house, your kids and yours. Two, breathe more. Now, I know you're a yoga freak. I love it. <laughs> Um, I say that with great love because it's not my thing. But what I worked out is that we have actually stopped breathing enough. So the very simplicity of the three breaths every every hour or so, oh, my goodness, it just gives our brain so much more to be able to make that. We want to be the grounded parent, not the crabby parent. So when we can notice that we're getting a bit tetchy, that's the secret to not becoming it because that's mean if you do need to go and eat that big block of fruit and nut chocolate which is a health food <laughs> because you had two hours sleep and you've got tea time to grow nail it it won't be forever but for you to be in the best neurological state yeah which is exactly as you will be after yoga mm. as I did after qigong and tai chi which is I had to do that or after I've had a swim in the ocean or I've had a walk with the dog so I had to build those things into my life and you know what? They're still in my life. So I think that's it. You need to sit down and go, what is it that calms me? What is it that fills my cup? What is it that's healthy? You know? And then am I doing it each day? It's so interesting you say that because I think we people accept the anger in their lives. They accept that this is just how they are and what it is but they haven't actually seen the difference it can make. Like I'm definitely a better person after I do yoga. No and the breathing um, is so, so simple that even I think people think it's too simple to work, but it, it works. And we know that sighing, you know, that, that, that there. So we tend to sigh on a Friday night if we're not working on the weekend and we're sinking into the couch, <laughs> yeah? Or they've gone to sleep. You've finally got that rooster asleep after 15 glasses of water and goodness only knows what... Now, I'm going to tell you that what the research shows is that if you start sighing more during the day, your vagus nerve, which runs from right down the center of your body, brings your nervous system down a few cogs. And I have to you know, do a technique where I just do a, a gentle sigh. <sighs> yeah, now do a really bigger sigh. Like it's the holidays in front of you, as long as you're not flying at the moment. <laughs> and then the third one is do a slightly orgasmic. <gasps> <laughs> because then what happens, we can trigger laughter. I don't recommend that sigh in a public toilet. But what we're consciously doing, your children will start sighing. Your children will start taking those breaths. And if you can do a downward dog every now and then or walk outside and stretch your arms and take some breath, your children will start doing it. So that's kind of where I started building um, <clears throat> strategies for the home and the classroom 
that work on the nervous system that I don't have to think about. Mm. So obviously I'm a mad keen, I have been forever, essential oils, um, particularly the calm ones. Um, and even now I had a niece visit me from WA recently. She walked in the house and went, yep, I'm an Aunty Mags. No. So ever since they were little, I've been burning Hopefully certain Hopefully she ones. was doing that and not because it smelled terrible. No, no, no. <laughs> Hugo hadn't done a poo. <clears throat> Second Hugo's one the dog, just in is case the music know. is almost constantly... Um, and it's music slower than a heartbeat. It does not even have to be almost loud enough in the house, but it impacts the nervous system. So keep that nature sound or the quiet stuff going in your house. Mind you, if you want to clean up after dinner, I'd probably ump it up a bit with a bit of ABBA. So what we're doing is influencing the rate with which the cells in our bodies vibrate. So if you're getting angry, yours are vibrating too much, and you need to take a choice about what am I doing because I'm the grown-up with the prefrontal cortex. And if I'm constantly getting triggered by a certain thing that I'm noticing with my children, you need to go and explore what story you're still telling yourself from your own childhood and the parenting that you received at the similar age. And I know you've gone, oh, I kind of fit that in. Um, It is really, really important for those things as well because when it's unconscious, we don't even know. And every now and then we can lose it and go, what's that about? I guarantee there was some serious anger happening for you at that similar age. Um, I, I love. I want to talk more about that in terms of um, our own experience as children. Um, but I just want to go back to something you mentioned about uh, high expectations of ourselves, but also of our children. How much um, we we have so much information about how we Too should much. parent? Yeah. yeah. I wonder in your experience, is that information skewed the wrong way? Like, do enough people understand what's developmentally appropriate for children? Or are they being told more things like you should be eating organic food, they shouldn't be watching... I mean, screens comes into it, I know, but these are all the rules that are kind of exterior. And maybe the anger is coming more from not understanding. Actually, two-year-olds shouldn't be able to tie their shoelace. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think what's happened is, so, and I, and, and I kind of explore this a lot in my Nine Things book, where I wanted everyone to find a Wilma, a wise woman who's done this before, or man, you know, if you've got a wise uncle or something, somebody who, when you come to them to ask the question, they're a trusted source. And when you leave, you never feel worse. Because what I'm finding is that um, a mummy is looking for a, a one-off, one solution to something that can last a year and be completely normal. And then you find five or six different voices and they're all a little bit different. Well, heck, what we've done is we've disconnected you from the best source of wisdom within you and that is your attunement to your child. So, you know, that whole thing of, oh, compare, look, oh, my child's not talking and not walking. And, you know, we, we actually know that it all evens out at some point and that red flags absolutely are quite noticeable. But delays in development and our expectations around toddlers is just frightening. Um, you know, the very fact we want them socialised, you know, by two, you know, it's not capable until they're well over three. They're actually not really good at sharing till they're closer to four. When you start to get these things that we now know from the science of child development, I think we can back off a little and just let them be kids. Yeah. Our job is to keep them alive, let them play and explore the world and be as physically active as possible and to know they can fall on us safely as many times as they need to. And seriously, that sets them up for a really great life. And you can be a calmer parent. I just want you to sit with a cup of tea or a smoothie and just watch them sometimes and, and not do. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about 
I mean, we've talked about anger as a, a legitimate emotion, mm. neither good, neither good nor bad. Can we talk about the expression of emotion? Because that's what you're trying to say in terms of yeah. calming down so we don't just explode. What do you say to people who uh, see their expression of anger, if it's yelling, as just a normal way of expressing a feeling? Okay, so um, anger is, has got energy behind it, so it needs to come out. And what we're really encouraging us is allow our children to definitely not to bring it out rather than shut it down. And us as grown-ups, um, the research is really strong that our children need to see us angry at times. But that anger will come out in a moment. We may say something really. In other words, we've aimed, owned it. I've done the I statement. I'm feeling really angry right now because this is what's happening. And then we need to basically, when it's been owned, it tends to start to dissipate. But when our anger is thrown at people... And it's a you statement that's unhealthy for us, our relationships and our children. Secondly, when our anger, we haven't owned what is driving it because we're just coming from an automatic place, then what often happens is we go to blame, we go to shame, or we go to aggression, whether it's aggressive words, aggressive gestures. So that's those conversations I think that we need to have as mature grown-ups, whoever we're co-parenting with. Um, and you'll tend to find, again, for our daddies out there who are doing amazing things, stepping up and being the dads they want to be, many of them tell me that they often get triggered into anger because, of course, when they were younger, their tender feelings were shut down. So they aren't able to own that they're feeling frightened or they're feeling hurt. Or in this moment, I'm really um, feeling disconnected from my child. They can't own that. So often anger was being conditioned in them as a response that's more valid. So uh, those of you who have got a you know angry hubby out there or partner, it's the four-year-old inside that's angry at that mo- angry at that moment. He wants to be a good daddy and doesn't know why he goes to automatic just like his dad. So um, that's a whole new journey of awareness and understanding that team parent is about us letting us you know allow that space to be real and valid in the moment, and then later in a calm moment, maybe a day or so later, we have a sit and say, "Wow, what was going on for you under there?" And what, what do you want me to do if that comes up again? Because in other words, if we go in there with our guns blazing, because they're behaving in a way that's not okay in our work, then we've just created a massive um, tension in a relationship in front of children who love you both. So anger has got its place as being valid and continuing to freeze us out afterwards or continuing to sulk is, an, is obviously a sign we're not processing our anger as well as, as we could do. And our children are still watching us. So essentially, they are watching us on how to be a grown-up one day. Mm. I think one of the more <laughs> ironic things I've seen is uh, someone yelling at a child, telling them to stop yelling. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's... <laughs> but sometimes people can really, they really can't see. No. That and that's... it's the automatic. So that's what yeah. happens. So remember, we're only kind of 5% conscious. Yep. And the more grounded we are, the calmer our nervous system, the more likely we are able to be that parent. Yep. So I have a parental pause, which is, um, you know, something I teach lots of parents because they've found it's really helpful in, in the moment, if I can pause just as I'm observing something that normally triggers me, put my hand on my heart, take a few deep breaths, hand on my heart reminds me I love this child, like, you know, brought it into the world, then sink down a little and go, can I see the world through my child's eyes right now rather than what my story is? And then... Affirm to ourselves, my child's not bad or naughty right now. Um, they're not coping with their world. What they need right now is a safe base. Let me be 
what they need right now. So I've had parents who've, it's a, it's a habit. It's a, you know, we can create a habit. Who say they just have to put their hand on their heart and bend their knees and take a breath and they go into this different place and they've stopped shouting. Yeah, I think someone once said to me, uh, their little mantra was something along the lines of, I'm older, I'm wiser. Yeah, and I've just this. I've, yeah, and, and it's Doesn't amazing. Doesn't matter what it is, you turn off mm. the automatic trigger from our unhealed aspect, and then we can also, yeah, absolutely. Those words, it's incredible it. how strong yeah. words can be, because I do remember that happening, I think it was one of those times when my daughter as a toddler was not getting in her car seat. Oh, gosh, that's a goodie. And <laughs> we were definitely late somewhere. Yeah, so and the it, knee and the chest kind of thing and the oh, screaming. I think we've all done it. It was very, I was very <laughs> close. And it was just, it was so interesting because I am a yogi, but I'm, yep. I'm not too woo-woo. And I wasn't sure how I felt about mantras. But when that came into yeah. my brain, it really snapped me out of that place Can you also see what's happened to the child? If you look at it through your child's eyes, they're in the moment that meant they weren't ready for that yet because whatever they were doing was much more fun. Yes. Right? So we become the human doing, not the human being. So I do recommend if you've got children under five that sometimes own the fact you're going to be late with love. (laughs) Yep, and everywhere. Yeah. just, (laughs) Just seriously, because... We have got them going way faster than they're biologically able to cope with and our expectations again. And then, of course, if you're trying to get out the, you know, in the morning and they've lost their drink bottle or they need a random poo, we make them wrong. And that's where we have the anger coming from because guess what? We're worried. What will people think if I'm late? So turn up, late with love. That's what Maggie says, just late with love. I've got little ones. I'm making some sign, some cards up yeah. in my head now. Late with love. <laughs> um, what about when, let's say, look, it's a huge generalization, but I have heard my mum friends talk about that kind of division of uh you know, a lot of women come to your events, and the men too, but mm. women are hungry for this information on how to parent, and they may have embraced this idea that, well, the truth that anger is not helpful mm. for anyone, and they're living with someone who may not see it that way. Mm. How can you hold the course uh, when essentially everyone is angry in your house just because, you know, children will have tantrums, you're try- and, and nobody's a saint. Anger is a very triggering emotion from other people. It's very hard not to respond to anger with anger, whether it's your children or your partner. So how if you're the one person who is embracing the idea of calmness, who wants that to be the thing in the house, how do you cope? It is interesting because um, when whoever you're co-parenting with, when you have those kind of conversations, sometimes when the children aren't around to interrupt, you can really dive into these things, quite honestly. It's the heat of the moment that we can't do that. And it's really interesting. I hear from a lot of men who actually, mummy is the really angry one because her to-do list is just, her mental load is just doing it in. And every now and then, you know, we know about self-care and self-compassion. I do love that was something online one day that said, all I want, I don't want to go and have, you know, like a massage because what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep thinking. So I just want an hour where I don't have to make any choices. And that is exactly, can you see? So that mental load is how do we share, you know, what's going on so that we have moments where I can just go outside and chill while someone else is doing this crazy stuff. So that every now and then when, when if you have a partner who says, hey, chill, let's just have a cuppa, and you go, no, I've got too much to do, <laughs> then we're our own worst enemy. Mm. 
you know, and I think that's that conversation and we make a time. I would really love you to do a monthly check-in and every now and then just remember a few of the moments and go back over and say, remember that day that this happened and that was in response to that and then you came in. So what could we do if that happened again? So when there's no blame, we're actually probably over a good coffee or a glass of wine, we're able to problem solve together. I think you'll find that you feel more supported in the moment. Or as, you know, one dad said to me, whenever my wife's about to lose it, where I just go in and tag, say, tag, babe. So that means I've got this, you outside. And initially, she said she found it was like, um, oh, don't you think I can cope? Yeah. And he kind of knew he only ever stepped in when I was about to lose it. And that's the person I don't want to be. And I felt that was coming from a really, that's what we're about. Co-parenting is where we've got unique views of the world. They don't have to be the same, but are we collectively making choices that are for the betterment of all of us in the family and our children? And do I know where there's some peak times? Mm. Yeah, peak times when we're going to have that conflict. Crazy hour is a real thing, isn't it? Yeah. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Around food. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Every parent's going, Whew. Yeah. Can we just throw out to all those solo parents out there, Mike? My, my hand on my heart, I honestly do not know how you do it with the number of children some of you um, are raising on your own, although you probably haven't got someone telling you how to do it differently. So there, I, yeah, there's a slight plus side, but you have got one of the toughest jobs and it is, on um, the planet. And I have a friend who's a, a single parent and um, her being able to find a... Like, you know, if you're, if you're about to lose it and there's two of you in the house, then you can say, I'm going to walk outside yeah. for a breath of yeah. fresh air. But you don't always have that choice no. when you're on no. your own. So there's not as many moments where you can try and calm your nervous system. But guess what? There's only one system. Yeah. There's one system. And that system's just being fine-tuned for survival. Um, and, of course, that can, you know, there's less conflict with the less input. So... I just think if any of you have a, a, a friend or a sister or a brother or anything that is doing the solo parenting, turn up every now and then and just, you know, turn up with food, you know, turn up and let them go out to watch a movie, turn up and just support them in that journey because seriously, that is, um, that's a toughie and we know that solo parents can raise awesome kids. So it's you not a, did. Not a deficit, yeah, but I only had a year so I was kind of like, I remember it intently because I could never ever get in front of the washing. <laughs> so that is where I invented the washing bed. What? Okay, so this is for all those people who spend hours folding up children's washing. I could not do it. I could not do it and work full time. So I said all the washing, which they had to pull off the line quite often, is on that single bed. It's all clean. It's lucky dip. Find your own. I am not wasting <laughs> valuable time folding up your clothes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So just throw a sheet over and everyone turns up. You have said so many great things about anger today, but that is one of those things that I think I'm going to apply Lower the in my bar. house. Lower the bar. Get real. Maggie. <laughs> and don't complain if your son's left the pegs on the clothes. He's just got it off the line. You said get it off the line. They're off. It's so <laughs> wonderful to have you in the studio again. Thank you so much for coming in. Love to chat. That's Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator, author, and host of the Parental as Anything podcast. And if you want to find any of those things, there'll be links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.